Welcome to Prio's Peace in a Pod. My name is Indigo Trickhauger, and I'm a communicator at the Peace Research Institute, Oslo. My job here is to help researchers convey their work. Usually that means talking to the media, politicians, other stakeholders, and colleagues. With this podcast, that means talking to you. What is the transformative potential of visual storytelling in conflict research? Oftentimes when we share results and knowledge from peace and conflict research, it comes in the form of articles, policy briefs, op-eds, and other written pieces. In the project Societal Transformation in Conflict Contexts, or Transform, in addition to these kinds of written pieces, animations and comics were created in collaboration between researchers, activists, artists, writers, and many others. These pieces of art not only serve to inspire possible change, but also to illustrate and highlight stories of societal transformation around the world. Ahead of an event launching the virtual exhibition of the Transform Project, I'm joined by Cindy Horst and Ben Dix, who will discuss their collaboration and work. Cindy Horst is a research professor and co-director of the Center on Culture and Violent Conflict at the Peace Research Institute, Oslo. She's an anthropologist interested in methodological innovations that allow for critical and ethically conscious research engagement. Cindy leads the Transform Project. Benjamin Dix is founding director of Positive Negatives and senior fellow at SOAS, University of London. He's an anthropologist interested in working with participatory methodologies to adapt academic research into visual outputs through comics and animations and working with international artists. Ben has produced the animations and comics for the Transform Project. Welcome to the podcast, Ben and Cindy. I'm so happy that you're here to talk about Transform and your collaboration together. We've had a couple of episodes that um, have had to do with Transform and various aspects of it, but we are having uh, an event to launch the virtual exhibition um, of the project, which is very exciting. And so we want to have a conversation ahead of that. Um, Cindy, I think I'll just start with you. Can you just start by telling us a little bit about the Transform project? Sure, thanks. Um, I think Transform is uh, a really special project to me and to many others. And I think it's both the content, but also the approach. So in terms of what we ask, um, our main question is in societies at war or facing severe repression, what motivates individuals to take action for social justice when actually doing so involves great risk? So we're very curious to see how these kind of individual acts might lead to larger transformations. And we're also very interested in the impact of storytelling in this. Um, So the great thing about the project is that this has really allowed us to meet amazing people, uh, very impressive people in Somalia uh, or Somaliland, Syria and uh, Myanmar, where we've done the research and really getting to the bottom of very remarkable stories. And then the approach has been very interesting because we've explored these stories through uh, life histories uh, with these individuals, uh, but not only through research, but also in collaboration with uh, positive negatives, with artists, with storytellers, scriptwriters. So that's the combination of both the content being really interesting and allowing us to of that has been uh, very has made it a really uh, wonderful project to uh, to engage in yes and we're going to get back to the storytelling and the collaborative aspects uh, a little bit later but 
Ben, you're the founding director of Positive Negatives, and Positive Negatives has been really instrumental in this project. Can you just uh, talk a little bit about the organization and your background and what the idea was behind that? Sure. So Positive Negatives is about 11 years old now, uh, although it feels much older in the sense that the idea came from 2008 when I was working for the UN in Sri Lanka, in the north of Sri Lanka, in the Tamil Tiger Zone, and through the conflict. Um, and at that point, I read my first political graphic novel, Mouse and Palestine, two graphic novels about the Holocaust and about Palestine, and was very inspired by how you could uh, take a, um, sequential art and um, display and, and express very complex issues of, of trauma, of, of people's experiences of conflict and migration predominantly. And so from that experience, I developed uh, and, and founded this organization, Positive Negatives, that's now been running. And we uh, mostly work with academic partners now um, to do um, to, to, to produce, to research um, visual outputs of that very complex research. Um, and so they complement our, our comics, our animations kind of complement those academic outputs really nicely and get them to very different audiences, including schools, um, where, you know, the, the more kind of dense academic journal articles they might not reach those kind of spaces in social media, in schools, in the international media, but the comics are very um, malleable and able to get into those spaces. Um, and so we've been working for the last three and a half, four years with, with Cindy and the team on Transform. And I think it's probably been, it, we started this project when Positive Negatives was kind of quite young, it was four years ago, um, when we were going through like the proposal stage. And I think it's been one of the most wonderful experiences for us because it's, it's, it's enabled us to to work with local artists to really kind of build capacity with some of the artists and to work with to have the time and space to work with really in-depth life histories of these incredibly inspiring individuals and create um, uh, visual outputs comics and animations of their stories and Cindy, I want to hear you tell a little bit about how you started collaborating with Ben and with Positive Negatives, because I think at Prio now, you're known for this really innovative um, approach to disseminating research and really bringing research results and findings um, to new audiences that maybe people hadn't really thought of before and in ways that people definitely hadn't thought of before. How did this collaboration start and what has that process been like for you as a researcher? And then Ben, I'd love to hear how it's been for you on, on your side as well. Uh, thanks. I need to, Ben, can you remind me when exactly did we first meet? We were collaborating on. <laughs> yeah, Cindy and I met, I think, in early 2013 when yeah. I, Positive Negatives got their first uh, commission by the Open Society Foundation to produce uh, 14 comics about the Somali diaspora across Europe and one of those uh, two of those comics were in Oslo so I came over and Cindy was the researcher on that project in Oslo and that's how we yeah. we met yeah so that's quite a while back and um, for me that particular project I was asked to do um, a report on the uh, situation of Somalis in Oslo like Ben mentioned um, and already then, I think working at Prio and doing the kind of research I do, so I, I mostly work on 
issues to do with the, the human consequences of violent conflict and particularly for those who have to flee. Um, I've always uh, really thought a lot about how to do that in ways and, and make accessible what I learn uh, through to different audiences because I feel, uh, of course, uh, I publish academically and I see a lot of value in that as well. But if I see the kind of insights I get about what it means to have to leave your country, uh, what it means to have to start all over again in Europe and all these kind of bigger um, questions that are very much in the media, like going back to 2013, of course, in 2015, there was this, these big debates on, on these kind of issues. And I've always felt that it's so problematic to sit on all this knowledge and see how media misrepresents these stories completely and, um, and feel that, okay, with my academic articles, I'm not really getting anywhere. So this collaboration with uh, with positive negatives in uh, starting in 2013 was really a, a unique way of of seeing uh, one opportunity of um, reaching different audiences. And I've, I've, over the years, I've tried other things as well. But uh, but I really feel that comics and animations, uh, yeah, it it um, it allows us or it allows me also to tell stories in ways that are quite accessible to uh, non-academic audiences. And it's, uh, I think another thing that to me is really inspiring about it is that I feel limited by the fact that we focus so much on the verbal and everything we do in research is about words. Um, but there's all kinds of knowledge that is not necessarily um, spoken. It's in, it's kind of, like, for example, the experiences of violent conflict are very often, like, memories are in the, they're embodied, um, they're visual, they're, um, so again, using comics and animations, that also allows me to explore more about those elements that are not necessarily uh, in words, but, uh, so even the methods, I think, are really interesting for me because of, uh, of that aspect as well. Mm. Ben, do you want to add anything? Yeah, and just the, um, I mean, obviously I'm a, a big advocate for producing comics and animations, but the, the, the thing that I really like about them is someone who used to be a photographer and I've worked on documentary films before as well, is that the, the, the methods of producing our comics and animations are really un, un, unintrusive to the participants and, and contributors to them in the sense that when I've when I've been a photographer or I've made documentaries you know we're we're on this project for example um, we're interviewing people with really sensitive sometimes traumatic difficult topics and there's <clears throat> a really intrusive element to documentary making to set up a tripod and a camera and get the light right. And I've had an example before where a woman was telling me a very difficult experience she had had, and a dog started barking outside, and I and I had to stop. And and then when the dog disappeared, I had to start again. And that's really problematic and and very difficult to manage in the situation. Whereas with a comic, the dogs can bark, 
the the car alarms can go off the sun can go down the lights can go off doesn't matter you just keep talking and listening and then you you come back to the artist who draws who draws it and like cindy was saying you can also with the illustrated form you can illustrate thoughts and feelings and you can go you can illustrate post-traumatic stress disorder which is very very difficult to get across in other mediums um so there's a there's a there's a level of um distilling very very complex emotional information um in 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 very sensitive ways both the way it's delivered but also the way it's collected and the methods used to collect um and and on top of that as well there's i think people in the in the actual output people can see themselves in a comic that when i look at a photograph of um a syrian refugee for example um there's an othering there i i i, I don't look like that man when i see an illustration um i there's a way that i can put myself into that position that there's less of that kind of jarring othering um that we that we sometimes get with media so it doesn't always always work but i think with this transform project it's been one of the the most kind of successful projects to use the medium of the illustrated form um to tell these really sensitive heroic stories this is so interesting i've never really thought about that um those differences between yeah photography or video versus versus um animations and drawings and comics um i am gonna link as well to the online exhibition so that people can actually see what we're talking about here but i wanted to touch on one thing that's in both of your backgrounds because um ben i would be remiss not to mention that you're also a senior fellow at soas and you have a background in anthropology you're an anthropologist and so is cindy um I was wondering what kind of reflections the that academic background had brought to the table when when you both have worked on whether transformer or other um, projects that have to do with these visual elements. Um, how do you consider that as an anthropologist? What what do you bring to the table there, um, Cindy? Maybe you want to go first. Hmm. Thanks. That's a very interesting. Uh, questions. I mean, I think we've been working a lot with narratives and storytelling. Uh, and I think maybe related to the fact that I'm an anthropologist, I really believe that the narratives we share of the world and what we what we believe in influences our actions and thus it influences reality. So I think in anthropology, the focus is not just on a kind of a, an objective reality to uncover out there, but on how people experience and understand the world and then also how they create stories about that world and what that actually does to their actions and how they relate to others, etc. And of course, those stories are both about the individual experiences they have and they are uniquely positioned based on uh, their characteristics, their gender, their uh, class background, their skin color, all those kind of things, and also what they have particularly experienced in their individual lives. Uh, but they're also really about these larger narratives that are there in the society. So to me, life story method has been really central. And I think that that is actually quite an important method in anthropology, where we link how people experience and understand the world with the larger um, 
narratives and the larger ways of uh, of understanding. So I, I do feel that, um, and maybe this is another thing that uh, is unique to me as an anthropologist, I really feel that as academics, we contribute to these larger narratives and we really have to be very conscious about our own role in that. So there, there are aspects there that I, I feel that maybe other disciplines might either not agree with or they might have a slightly different perspective. But uh, but that's to me, yeah, some of the elements that uh, make the, the engagement uniquely anthropological. Mm. Uh, a quick follow-up before Ben gets to jump in here. You wrote a really interesting policy brief, which I can link to, about co-creating knowledge. Um, and I at least from viewing it from the outside and having uh, been really lucky to be a part of actually sharing these these um, comics and animations once they're done, it seems like co-creating knowledge has been really central to that process. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's kind of, uh, to me, it's obvious, but thanks for uh, <laughs> for asking so that I can elaborate on that as well. Um, yeah, it, to me, it links very much to what I was saying, that, uh, of course, these... Um, this understanding that knowledge is not kind of a, a fixed reality, but it's based on experiences, it's based on larger narratives, etc. That is also true for us as researchers and, and as academics. And to me, understanding uh, the realities that we are trying to research is really about, it's not about me going in uh, as a kind of uh, objective um, researcher with the, with the tools and skills to um, like to be the only person to to kind of uh, uncover this truth, but it's very much about co-creating the truth or the, the kind of uh, knowledge in the sense that I want to hear from different people how they uh, understand the story and a lot of these um, narratives that we've uh, we've put both in text in publications as well as in the uh, in the comics. Uh, are really stories that we've learned layers of because, for example, there was an artist who needed to see the, the visual aspects of it. And by asking questions that are to do with the visual, you start seeing different things that I, as an, as an academic with my training, I hadn't thought of in that way. And then maybe the, um, the person whose story is being told, again, relates to those questions and sees things differently. I'm, I'm for this project I've also been working on a book and a lot of what I've done is uh, try to craft um, the narratives by having very intense conversations with the different people that um, that kind of know about these narratives because it's not about me uh, reconstructing a story it's about working together with uh, with different people to really understand um, their perspectives and then trying to like i guess my role as a researcher is really trying to reflect these different perspectives um and then not come with the one true story but uh the the stories from these different different perspectives uh, and what that also does is that um there's a ownership that is shared and there's also um we'll maybe think a bit about the transformation in transform uh, but I think that that's also that becomes really important as well that people are committed and engaged in this storytelling um, and there are different aspects that uh, that then can also lead to to the changes that we've we've been looking at 
in terms of social justice issues, etc. That's a lovely, lovely reflection. Thank you. Um, ben, going back to my original question with this anthropology background, but of course you can touch on anything Cindy said here. Um, yeah, how would you reflect on that? Well, I agree with a huge amount of, of what Cindy just said, so I'm, I'm, I'm not going to repeat that. But in terms of um, my kind of journey with positive negatives and again with this project, I think, I think I'm, I'm, I'm reflecting as we're talking and this project, Cindy came to me, you know, four or five years ago now with the proposal. And these, you know, academic projects take a, a while from idea to proposal to funding to actually starting. So it was probably like five years ago. And it was really at a kind of tipping point where, for positive negatives, where I had been working with the wonderful artist, Lindsay Holland, who I kind of set up Cosmeg with and did the Sri Lanka book with and, and, and meet the Somalis project where we first met Cindy. Um, and it always troubled him and it troubled me that, you know, we were two white guys in London doing these stories of, of, of from around the world. And it take, it, it sounds like a simple thing, but to build a database of artists around the world and to be able to get into a position of an organization where you can contract the artists and manage them and, and, Kind of you know also 10 years ago things like zoom and and skype and everything it was far more problematic whereas now it's much easier and so transform kind of came to me at a time when i really wanted to reach out and work with local artists who would understand those nuances and those details and that that visual culture that we wouldn't understand and we wouldn't get um and so this project really i think was on the cusp of that change and that development of positive negatives where we've been able to work with a syrian artist uh, a burmese artist unfortunately we couldn't find uh, a somali artist for the project but we worked with with pat a, a congolese artist um who was very aware of, of somali issue um growing up in the congo and remembers it well and was very honored to work on it um and and i think that has kind of allowed me to really see the potential of what I've always been striving for um, as an organization to work with these artists that understand the context of what we're talking about and what we're trying to express. And so that's been a really transformative experience for the organization. Um, no pun intended that the project has <laughs> formed, but it's, it's been really great for that. That's beautiful. So for my for my last question, and again, both of you should please answer this. Um, yeah, going back to that word, transform. Um, the event tomorrow is is titled "Fighting for Social Justice," but I think that I would love for you to reflect a little bit about what kind of change the Transform Project might have actually brought in terms of these animations, these comics, and all of the many people that were involved. Because again, it wasn't just one researcher and one artist; it was many many people in all of the all of the um facets of this project so cindy maybe you want to start and kind of yeah link it up to to what we're going to be talking about tomorrow and, and kind of an extension of this conversation hopefully yeah i think this is one of the things we struggled with a lot in the project like how do you like what is really transformation and how do you um uh yeah how is it possible to really link these individual acts to something larger? 
But at the same time, I feel that a lot of the approach has been about um, there's a lot of transformation that happens even in the conversations that we are engaging in. So um, someone telling their life story in a particular way and being encouraged with a lot of questions to reflect on things, um, that does something to that person. And I see that again and again that afterwards, like maybe I have a life story that uh, runs over two, three sessions. Uh, and in the second session, someone will come and say, well, actually, really, now we started talking about this and and I've started to reflect. So so on the individual level, I think it does quite a bit. And of course, it also transforms me in, in um, yeah, being part of those conversations and being, um, yeah, being humbled in the sense that people are, uh, telling me that it's been really important for them. And for example, in the book I was mentioning, um, several of the of the women I, I interviewed there um, f- felt that what we were doing with these interviews was very crucial for themselves in larger processes that they were going through. Um, so I think on that level already, there's quite a bit of... Um, transformative potential even in the the methods and the storytelling that we do but then also on a on a larger scale we've seen quite amazing um things happening within the process and I, i'm thinking maybe i can talk briefly on the somaliland case and then ben maybe if you wanted to say more also on the Myanmar mm. um story but for for somaliland uh the doctor research uh, researcher has worked there with many research assistants who really started to to get an, an ownership and a, and a kind of excitement about the UFO story um, of these uh, professionals in the in the 1980s and these are young women and men who are kind of uh, growing up now uh, and really uh, most of them hadn't heard of this story so they were deeply inspired to be working with this older generation. And, and I feel that that also does something really important by connecting people who normally don't hear each other's story. Um, and what does that do? So f- in the case of, of Somaliland, some of these uh, research assistants, for example, started to engage in, in uh, they set up a, a civil society organization and they, uh, and, and in Somaliland also uh, a TV show was produced that was aired and so quite remarkable things that were happening which was very much also about um yeah bringing that story back into the history writing of the of the country which which is huge in a way and of course again there my my point on our role as researchers and what kind of responsibility do we have comes in because of course all these stories are also part in this very complex realities of, of conflict and post-conflict uh, there's a lot of interest and uh, and power dynamics involved that you have to be very very sensitive and careful uh, about but uh, but yeah so both on this very individual level I described in the, these interpersonal relations but also much larger as as this example of Somaliland described I do feel that the project actually also had uh, transformative uh, potential so we were researching um transformation and how the stories we tell about uh, individuals might actually lead to um, to change but we were also practicing it uh, to some extent 
Mm. Yeah, Ben, if you can uh, send us off with a story about Myanmar. I think I have heard it before, and it's a it's a really lovely anecdote. And actually, we had an episode last year with um, Kukul, which mm. I will also link in the description so that people can go back and listen to that if they haven't already. Um, but yeah, please go ahead. So um, Kukul, I met Kukul um, for... I was going to commission, well, we did actually commission her for another project. Um, and I met her while I was in Yangon. And she was kind of early 20s, um, very funky, kind of urban, Instagram, Facebook savvy uh, artist, illustrator, um, and did these kind of single illustrations, but r really kind of, you know, young and funky and kind of powerful kind of images. And so on this project, on Transform, Marta and I went up to uh, Mishina and interviewed Darbak Jar, the protagonist for the, for the Myanmar project uh, animation. And uh, a year later, we went to go back again and kind of uh, check the script and everything. And we commissioned Kukul uh, to be the artist on it and to come with us to Mishina. And so she, she had never been to the north of the country before and she had kind of been fed, you know, propaganda and media government propaganda of, of the catching of the north of, of her country um so it was a big you know she she was up for it she wasn't she wasn't scared but it was a big adventure for her to to go up there um and she immediately just took to the place to the environment to the place to the people to the food um and her and darbak jar who is very much her senior just the energy around the table when these two met was just fantastic. And there's a, a photograph of Google kind of that I took of just kind of looking in awe at this, you know, elder woman who is such a fierce land rights activist and, and was just kind of, you know, very humbled and in awe of this older woman. Um, and they became great friends and and Kukul did an amazing job kind of illustrating her story and they were in touch and kind of in terms of what Cindy was talking about earlier with anthropology and kind of, um, you know, finding your own space as an anthropologist in this project. I, for that project, I particularly was able to just stand back and allow Kukul and Darbak Jar to kind of produce <laughs> the, the animation themselves. Um, and then on another project we had going out there, I had two of my team members were there in Yangon, so they started mentoring Kukul in animation. And so that left a wonderful legacy of this Transform project that we now kind of upskilled Google from being an illustrator to an, to an animator as well and having animation skills. And then at the end of the project, uh, obviously earlier this year, um, the military coup happened in Myanmar and Google now has found herself, well not found herself, she's made herself one of the most prominent kind of activist artists of the coup in Myanmar. And the, the work she's producing, you know, it's being her Instagram account has gone off the charts with followers and and the art she's producing is being reproduced and, and used as part of the resistance against the coup. So in terms of a, a legacy of a, of a project, I think that's absolutely incredible story. Um, and, and I think like all of us are really, you know, quite humbled and proud to have been part of that and what a it could have only have happened with transform right i mean it's just <laughs> it's, it's, it's a really lovely story for this project yeah it's absolutely amazing and um and i really encourage people to go and check out the actual animation um as i said we're gonna be having an event tomorrow so that's the 30th of september 
uh, from two to four at Kulturusa in Oslo, and I'll link uh, just in the description to that. And then as well, people who want to just see the virtual exhibition can go to transform.prio.org and view it there and see all of the amazing uh, works that, that have come out of this project. Thank you, Ben, and thank you, Cindy, for discussing this with me today. And I look forward to seeing many fruitful collaborations in the future. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Thanks for picking Prio's Peace in a Pod. This podcast is a production of the Peace Research Institute Oslo, Prio, located in Norway. For more information, visit Prio.org. Editing, recording, and hosting by me, Indigo Trick Music by Martin Dunn.